0: Section 1 of Across the Plains in 1844. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Across the Plains in 1844 by Catherine Sager Pringle. CHAPTER 1 On the Plains in 1844. My father was one of the restless ones who are not content to remain in one place long at a time. Late in the fall of 1838, we emigrated from Ohio to Missouri. Our first halting place was on Green River, but the next year we took a farm in Platte County. He engaged in farming and blacksmithing and had a wide reputation for ingenuity. Anything they needed, made, or mended sought his shop. In 1843 dr whitman came to missouri the healthful climate induced my mother to favor moving to oregon immigration was the theme all winter and we decided to start for oregon late in eighteen forty three father sold his property and moved near saint joseph and in april eighteen forty four we started across the plains the first encampments were a great pleasure to us children we were five girls and two boys ranging from the girl baby to be born on the way to the oldest boy hardly old enough to be any help starting on the plains we waited several days at the missouri river Many friends came that far to see the immigrants start on their long journey, and there was much sadness at the parting, and a sorrowful company crossed the Missouri that bright spring morning. The motion of the wagon made us all sick, and it was weeks before we got used to the seasick motion. Rain came down, and required us to tie down the wagon covers, and so increased our sickness by confining the air we breathed, our cattle recrossed in the night and went back to their winter quarters. This caused delay in recovering them and a weary, forced march to rejoin the train. This was divided into companies, and we were in that commanded by William Shaw. Soon after starting, Indians raided our camp one night and drove off a number of cattle. They were pursued, but never recovered. Soon everything went smooth, and our train made steady headway. The weather was fine, and we enjoyed the journey pleasantly. There were several musical instruments among the immigrants, and these sounded clearly on the evening air when camp was made, and merry talk and laughter resounded from almost every campfire. INCIDENTS OF TRAVEL we had one wagon two steady yoke of old cattle and several of young and not well broken ones father was no ox-driver and had trouble with these until one day he called on captain shaw for assistance it was furnished by the good captain pelting the refractory steers with stones until they were glad to come to terms reaching the buffalo country our father would get someone to drive his team and start on the hunt for he was enthusiastic in his love of such sport he not only killed the great bison but often brought home on his shoulder the timid antelope that had fallen at his unerring aim and that are not often shot by ordinary marksmen soon after crossing south platte The unwieldy oxen ran on a bank and overturned the wagon, greatly injuring our mother. She lay long insensible in the tent put up for the occasion. August 1st we nooned in a beautiful grove on the north side of the plat. We had by this time got used to climbing in and out of the wagon when in motion. When performing this feat that afternoon, my dress caught on an axle-helve and i was thrown under the wagon wheel which passed over and badly crushed my limb before father could stop the team he picked me up and saw the extent of the injury when the injured limb hung dangling in the air the father dying on the plains in a broken voice he exclaimed my dear child your leg is broken all to pieces The news soon spread along the train, and a halt was called, a surgeon was found, and the limb set. Then we pushed on the same night to Laramie, where we arrived soon after dark. This accident confined me to the wagon the remainder of the long journey. After Laramie we entered the great American desert, which was hard on the teams. Sickness became common father and the boys were all sick and we were dependent for a driver on the dutch doctor who set my leg he offered his services and was employed but though an excellent surgeon he knew little about driving oxen some of them often had to rise from their sick beds to wade streams and get the oxen safely across one day four buffalo ran between our wagon and the one behind though feeble father seized his gun and gave chase to them this imprudent act prostrated him again and it soon became apparent that his days were numbered he was fully conscious of the fact but could not be reconciled to the thought of leaving his large and helpless family in such precarious circumstances The evening before his death we crossed Green River and camped on the bank. Looking where I lay helpless, he said, "'Poor child! What will become of you?' Captain Shaw found him weeping bitterly. He said his last hour had come, and his heart was filled with anguish for his family. His wife was ill, the children small, and one likely to be a cripple they had no relatives near and a long journey lay before them in piteous tones he begged the captain to take charge of them and see them through this he stoutly promised father was buried the next day on the banks of green river his coffin was made of two troughs dug out of the body of a tree but next year emigrants found his bleaching bones as the indians had disinterred the remains we hired a young man to drive as mother was afraid to trust the doctor but the kind-hearted german would not leave her and declared his intention to see her safe in the willamette at fort bridger the stream was full of fish and we made nets of wagon sheets to catch them that evening the new driver told mother He would hunt for game if she would let him use the gun. He took it, and we never saw him again. He made for the train in advance, where he had a sweetheart. We found the gun waiting our arrival at Whitman's. Then we got along as best we could, with the doctor's help. Mother planned to get to Whitman's, and winter there but she was rapidly failing under her sorrows the nights and mornings were very cold and she took cold from the exposure unavoidably with camp fever and a sore mouth she fought bravely against fate for the sake of her children but she was taken delirious soon after reaching fort bridger and was bed fast travelling in this condition over a road clouded with dust she suffered intensely she talked of her husband addressing him as though present beseeching him in piteous tones to relieve her sufferings until at last she became unconscious her babe was cared for by the women of the train those kind-hearted women would also come in at night and wash the dust from the mother's face and otherwise make her comfortable we travelled a rough road the day she died and she moaned fearfully all the time at night one of the women came in as usual but she made no reply to questions so she thought her asleep and washed her face then took her hand and discovered the pulse was nearly gone she lived but a few moments and her last words were oh henry if you only knew how we have suffered the tent was set up the corpse laid out and next morning we took the last look at our mother's face the grave was near the road willow brush was laid in the bottom and covered the body the earth filled in then the train moved on her name was cut on a headboard and that was all that could be done so in twenty-six days we became orphans seven children of us the oldest fourteen and the youngest a babe a few days before her death finding herself in possession of her faculties and fully aware of the coming end She had taken an affectionate farewell of her children, and charged the doctor to take care of us. She made the same request of Captain Shaw. The baby was taken by a woman in the train, and all were literally adopted by the company. No one there but was ready to do us any possible favor. This was especially true of Captain Shaw and his wife their kindness will ever be cherished in grateful remembrance by us all our parents could not have been more solicitous or careful when our flour gave out they gave us bread as long as they had any actually dividing their last loaf to this day uncle billy and aunt sally as we call them regard us with the affection of parents blessings on his hoary head at snake river they lay by to make our wagon into a cart as our team was wearing out into this was loaded what was necessary some things were sold and some left out on the plains the last of september we arrived at grand Ronde, where one of my sister's clothes caught fire and she would have burned to death only that the German doctor, at the cost of burning his hands, saved her. One night the captain heard a child crying, and found my little sister had got out of the wagon and was perishing in the freezing air, for the nights were very cold. We had been out of flour and living on meat alone, so a few were sent in advance to get supplies from Dr. Whitman and return to us having so light a load we could travel faster than the other teams and went on with captain shaw and the advance through the blue mountains cattle were giving out and left lying on the road we made but a few miles a day we were in the country of dr whitman's indians as they called themselves they were returning from buffalo hunting and frequented our camps they were loud in praise of the missionaries and anxious to assist us often they would drive up some beast that had been left behind as given out and return it to its owner one day when we were making a fire of wet wood francis thought to help the matter by holding his powder horn over a small blaze of course the powder horn exploded and the wonder was he was left alive he ran to a creek nearby and bathed his hands and face and came back destitute of winkers and eyebrows and his face was blackened beyond recognition such were the incidents and dangerous and humorous features of the journey we reached umatilla october fifteenth and lay by while captain shaw went on to whitman's station to see if the doctor would take care of us if only until he could become located in the willamette we purchased of the indians the first potatoes we had eaten since we started on our long and sad journey october seventeenth we started for our destination leaving the baby very sick with doubts of its recovery mrs shaw took an affectionate leave of us all and stood looking after us as long as we were in sight speaking of it in later years she said she never saw a more pitiful sight than that cart full of orphans going to find a home among strangers we reached the station in the forenoon for weeks this place had been a subject for our talk by day and formed our dreams at night We expected to see log houses occupied by indians and such people as we had seen about the forts instead we saw a large white house surrounded with palisades a short distance from the doctor's dwelling was another large adobe house built by mr gray but now used by immigrants in the winter and for a granary in the summer it was situated near the mill-pond and the grist mill was not far from it. Between the two houses were the blacksmith shop and the corral, enclosed with slabs set up endways. The garden lay between the mill and the house, and a large field was on the opposite side. A good sized ditch passed in front of the house, connecting with the mill pond, intersecting other ditches all around the farm for the purpose of irrigating the land. We drove up and halted near this ditch captain shaw was in the house conversing with mrs whitman glancing through the window he saw us and turning to her said your children have come will you go out and see them he then came out and told the boys to help the girls out and get their bonnets alas it was easy to talk of bonnets but not to find them but one or two were finally discovered by the time mrs whitman had come out here was a scene for an artist to describe foremost stood the little cart with the tired oxen that had been unyoked lying near it sitting in the front end of the cart was john weeping bitterly on the opposite side stood francis his arms on the wheel and his head resting on his arms sobbing aloud on the near side the little girls were huddled together bareheaded and barefooted looking at the boys and then at the house dreading we knew not what by the oxen stood the good german doctor with his whip in his hand regarding the scene with suppressed emotion thus mrs whitman found us she was a large well-formed woman fair-complexioned with beautiful auburn hair nose rather large, and large gray eyes. She had on a dark calico dress and gingham sunbonnet. We thought, as we shyly looked at her, that she was the prettiest woman we had ever seen. She spoke kindly to us as she came up, but like frightened things, we ran behind the cart, peeping shyly around at her. She then addressed the boys, asking why they wept adding poor boys no wonder you weep she then began to arrange things as we threw them out at the same time conversing with an indian woman sitting on the ground nearby a little girl about 7 years old soon came and stood regarding us with a timid look this was little helen mar meek And though a half-breed, she looked very pretty to us in her green dress and white apron and neat sunbonnet. Having arranged everything in compact form, Mrs. Whitman directed the doctor and the boys where to carry them, and told Helen to show the little girls the way to the house. Seeing my lameness, she kindly took me by the hand, and my little sister by the other hand, and thus led us in. As we reached the steps, Captain Shaw asked if she had any children of her own. Pointing to a grave at the foot of the hill not far off, she said, "'All the child I ever had sleeps yonder.' She added that it was a great pleasure to her that she could see the grave from the door. The doctor and boys, having deposited the things as directed, went over to the mansion, As we entered the house, we saw a girl, about nine years old, washing dishes. Mrs. Whitman spoke cheerfully to her and said, "'Well, Marianne, how do you think you will like all these sisters?' Seated in her armchair, she placed the youngest on her lap, and calling us around her, asked our names, about our parents, and the baby, often exclaiming, as we told our artless story, "'Poor children!' Dr. Whitman came in from the mill and stood in the door, looking as though surprised at the large addition so suddenly made to the family. We were a sight calculated to excite surprise, dirty and sunburned until we looked more like Indians than white children. Added to this, John had cropped our hair so that it hung in uneven locks, and added to our uncouth appearance seeing her husband standing there mrs whitman said with a laugh come in doctor and see your children he sat down and tried to take little louisa in his arms but she ran screaming to me much to the discomfiture of the doctor and amusement of his wife she then related to him what we had told her in reference to the baby And expressed her fears lest it should die saying it was the baby she wanted most of all our mother had asked that we might not be separated so captain shaw now urged the doctor to take charge of us all he feared the board might object as he was sent a missionary to the indians the captain argued that a missionary's duty was to do good and we certainly were objects worthy of missionary charity he was finally persuaded to keep us all until spring his wife did not readily consent but he told her he wanted boys as well as the girls finding the boys willing to stay he made a written agreement with captain shaw that he would take charge of them before captain shaw reached the valley Dr. Whitman overtook him and told him he was pleased with the children, and he need give himself no further care concerning them. The baby was brought over in a few days. It was very sick, but under Mrs. Whitman's judicious care was soon restored to health. Our faithful friend, the German doctor, left us at last, safe in the motherly care of Mrs. Whitman. Well had he kept his promise to our dying mother." End of section one.